Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. You gotta put me on there with the greatest, man. Let the fans play. All star, the superstar. Hall of Famer. They say I'm showing out, they say I should be ashamed hey. I don't do it for the clout, I do it for the game hey. You can walk in any trap, and I bet they know my name Yo. Frank Matthews of the South, put me in the Hall of Fame Fine, 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 fine Add it to my bank account, then you can keep the fine Yo. Fine, yo, fine, yo, fine I met my b- one day, the next day her life was never the same Real though Told your family, my family, but all of your friends ain't my friends. Uh-uh. Now what up, 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 though? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amon Hawkins. Appreciate you taking time out today to listen to the latest episode. This episode will recap University of Virginia versus Louisville that took place on Thursday night. Saw the Who's come up short by a score of 31 to 24. In front of 44,628 fans in the LNN Stadium um, in Louisville, Kentucky. Before we get started, salute to my sponsor, Abra Insurance. Go to Abra Insurance for all your insurance needs. That's home, business, auto, life insurance. The great people at Able. Ableinsurance.net. Find a policy that's affordable for you, that fits your needs, man. Like I said, home, business, auto, and life insurance. They got you covered. Um, also, if you want some Shut the Hell Up Juice apparel, go to sthujuice.store. My fear uh, hoodies are now available. It's getting cold outside, so it's hoodie season. So be on the lookout for more Ball Hawk show hoodies as well and some Petty Hawk hoodies. So go to the site or you can hit me up on my social. On Twitter, Instagram, at I am Ball Hawk and Facebook, Amaya Hawkins. So, uh, appreciate y'all for tapping in right here live on, not, well, it's not live right now, but on Believe Network. Um, yeah, man, tough loss for the Wahoos, man. They dropped a two and eight on the season, one and five in the ACC. That lone victory was versus UNC, who ended their uh, losing streak as they defeated Duke in overtime. Uh, but Louisville improves to nine and one. Six and one in the ACC, their lone loss came to Pitt. And if you didn't watch that Pitt and Syracuse game, Syracuse ran for like 10 miles on Pitt and, and route to a victory. I think they ran for like over 300 yards, 300 and some change. Um, Georgia Tech, I just did it to us, and then Georgia Tech give up 300 yards to – uh. no, 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 I'm sorry. Georgia Tech played Clemson, and Clemson ran – over 200 yards versus Georgia Tech. I let you know I got all the games in my head when I'm recording this because I just got finished watching a bunch of football on Saturday uh, and recorded this late Saturday night. So here we are, man. Um, gave myself enough time to come down, review the film, because I'm not going to lie, I was a little upset with the people who wear those pinstripe shirts. I felt like it was home cooking. Um, but when I say home cooking, I don't want to take away from the plays that Louisville made and for how they competed and how they executed. So this is not a sore loser. This is just me having a discussion. If I would have recorded this when we got back from Louisville the next day, it would have been sour grapes. Petty Hawk would have took over. 
You know what I'm saying? But uh, what'd you say, Patty Hawk? They can't hear you. You got to grab the mic. I say it. You know what we needed at the Louisville game? What did we need at the Louisville game? You know who we needed. It's only one person, one person that would have held those dudes accountable. It was only one person that makes sure that we would have probably won. Who was that? You know who I'm talking about. You sure he would have made sure we won though? He would have got he would have got the calls changed. So when they picked up the flag, when the dude headbutted Ty Furnace like he was like he was on WWE, like he was Stone Cold uh, Steve Austin, or he was Macho Man. Ooh yeah, Randy Savage. Remember when number? Don't say his number, man. Well, you know it was a. Don't say his number. Well, he headbutted Ty Furnace and Ty Furnace fell. Then I think it was the back judge, your friend, who called a pass interference on Dre when it won't no pass interference. Came running in, talking about pick the flag up. It won't that bad. He assaulted Ty Furnace after the whistle. Ty Furnace fell down. That's 290 pounds. And that dude was like 205. You know he did it. So who's the guy that you talking about, Petty Hawk? Who would have got the the call changed? Or who would have made sure the call was right? And even the day gonna face mask on, on Malik. Malik, Malik, top two in the country. Can we get some superstar calls, please? This ain't Steven Jackson going up against Michael Jordan and practice and won all-star calls and never made the all-star team. This is Malik. Malik is number two in the country in receiving yards. And y'all call a face mask. Can you get to who we needed in attendance to make sure the calls were correct? You know who I'm talking about. Why you playing stupid? You went to UVA. You are smart. You got a high IQ. Stop playing stupid. No, I just want you to answer your question. You know who I'm talking about. Who you talking about? You know who I'm talking about. Ask Tony Bennett who I'm talking about. Ask him. Oh my God. You taking you talking about Corey Alexander? Yes. I'm talking about Corey. See my monitor. Hey, Mr. Postman. Hey, hey, you. Hey, excuse me. Look, 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 look. I got a better view. I got a better idea. Hey, hey, come look at my camera. Hey. Look at my monitor. Hey, hey, look. Hey, dirty. Baby, I got your money. Don't you worry. I said, hey, Mr. Ref, come look at my monitor. Why you why you going that, Corey? You know Corey's a friend. I know, and he family, but we go in on families. Nobody's safe because we are unapologetically unbiased, and we going that, Corey. I know this ain't a basketball podcast recap, even though the Wahoos beat the Gators. Won't you going to go to Florida for football? Yes, but I came to the real orange and blue. Ooh, you lucked out. Gator meat, gator meat, gator meat, gator meat. Wahoos. Chop, 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 chop. Chopped up the alligators. <laughs> Souffle. Back to Corey. Hey, Corey. They were going in on you on uh on Twitter. I did it a little bit, too. Petty Hawk had a little bit of fun. You don't even know messed up, right? You know what, Corey? You remind me of the dude with the glasses and belly that was eating the banana talking about, I don't like that. I'm about to drop a dime. <laughs> Hey, Corey. <laughs> Corey said, hey, hey, excuse me. I need a whistle. What my whistle? Hey, clap, clap, clap. Time out. Wait a minute. Go to TV. Time out. Hey, producer. Hey, get the ref. Buzz him. Brr, buzz him. Replay. Hey, 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 look. <laughs> hey, man, you got to stop doing this to Corey, man. 
He know we playing. He know we love him. He can come to JPJ. Core, I open the door for you, dog. If they don't want to let you in JPJ, I'll let you in the JPJ. Petty Hawk looking out for you, Corey. Okay? You's a good man, Corey. You's a man of integrity, man. You do not lie. On the cold, I can't lie. It went off the floor, the guy. Oops. Did I say that? Yes, you said that. <sighs> can I say one more joke? Yes, you can say one more joke. If it had been at the Louisville game and they tried to pick up that flag on Ty Ferns, you'd be like, hey, excuse me. Hey, <laughs> hey, it's me. Hey, Corey. I know, basketball guy. I know, but I got a monitor right here. I all ran all the way upstairs. Hey, hey, Covington. Covington, won't you do what I do? Tony Covington, do what I do. You're a color commentary guy beside, beside Jay Free. Do what I do, Cove. Run downstairs and, and show the monitor. Cove is on the radio, though. Corey's a TV guy. Well, however, whoever the TV guy, hey, Dan Mullen. <laughs> Dan Mullen. Next time in a football game, like, hey, like Hasselback. Hasselback called the UNC game. The lineman was down the field. Hasselback, you should have did a Corey Alexander. Run downstairs. <laughs> Buzz, hey, 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 you got a monitor. You got a better view. Here you go. Look. Ha, integrity. Integrity of the game. Tell the truth. All right, man. It's almost 10 minutes of you ranting on Corey. That, that you got to stop. Hey, man. I got tweets from UVA fans telling me to talk about this. Where was the tweets? I didn't see the tweets. You, I, well, I got a secret to the account. You don't know nothing about when, you know, my people's told me. Cause you know, I'm me, but we the same, like we share the same body. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> I'm like Stefan Urkel <laughs> and you Steve Urkel. Then I ain't doing that. That's you, ball hawk. And I'm the suave one. Pete, El Pete Hawk is how you say my name. El Pete Hawk. Pinky in the air. Can we get to the breakdown of Louisville game? Yes, I'm breaking down the Louisville game. I'm talking about the penalties. Everybody, 100 yards of penalties, and they picking flags up for Louisville home cooking. Do you smell? La, 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 tweet, tweet. What? Pete Hawk is cooking? Are you done? No, I'm not done. I can keep going. I shook up the world. We was up there when Muhammad Ali was at. They put Muhammad Ali on the Jumbotron. Shook up the world. Louisville. Louisville slugger. Ooh, I'm so pretty. Because I am pretty. I'm a pretty bird. Petty Hawk, are you done? This is, we had 10 minutes. Can we get to the recap? Go ahead. All right, man, I apologize for Petty Hawk and his pettiness. Salute to Corey Alexander, man. I love you, brother. But we're going to get these jokes. Hey, Petty Hawk, what you say? You got to say, hey, excuse me. Hey, look at me. I'm Corey. Corey Alexander, I'm a point guard. about to assist you in your call. Look at my monitor. Assist. <laughs> hey, you. Look at me. <laughs> hey, Corey. Corey, did you, did you wave at the ref? Like, hey, hey, look. Did he really whistle? No, he didn't whistle. I made that up. Oh, I was about to say, if Corey would have whistled, what did Coach Bennett say to him, Petty Hawk? Hey, Corey. Hey, you. Do your job. Do your freaking job. You know, Coach Bennett, though, Coach. Phil Farn, Farn, Phil, do your freaking job for crying out loud, buddy. <laughs> Hey, Corey. <laughs> Do I'm really laughing, man. Coach was hot. We won. We only laughing because we, we would have lost. Oh, hell no. You can't say hell when you talk about Tony Bennett. He a saint. Oh, 
Heck no. You right, my bad. I'm sorry, Coach Bennett. I'm sorry, God. Can't be saying that word behind a saint like Tony Bennett. So we apologize. No, you apologize. Ball Petty Hawk didn't do it. Ball Hawk did it. So you you like Corey now? You telling? Yes. Me and Corey Alexander are good friends. I play basketball too. All right, here we go. Louisville game, man. 31-24. Wahoos. Look, man, Louisville, number 11 team in the country, came in with the top rushing defense in the ACC. Uh, Wahoos did a good job of going above the average in which Louisville was giving up. They had 120 yards of rushing as a team. They were led by Anthony Calandria, who had 89 net yards. He had 109, but they have to factor in the sack yards because he got sacked four times for negative 20 yards. So that took away from his 109 on 14 carries. Really, he had... 10 carries for 109 yards. Calandria did. But with the sacks, it's 14 carries for 89 yards. Kobe Pace had 10 carries for 22 yards. Mike Holland, 5 carries, 16 yards. And Paris Jones had 3 carries for 7 yards. Um, prayers to Paris Jones, who had a successful uh, spine surgery from the injury. Um, the helmet-to-helmet collision. I was kind of surprised, and it was... Um, um, Cameron Kelly, he had the collision with. I was surprised like targeting wasn't looked at, but I think they looked at it during the t- the you know the long injury timeout. Um, Paris did drop his head to protect himself, and and it, it always because Paris was a receiver in that situation. Uh, I don't know if he was considered defenseless, and I'm still trying to think: do they issue targeting if somebody has right? Well, I know what a quarterback did with a quarterback's running. But it had me wondering, like, why that wasn't targeting? Because it was helmet to helmet. Because, like, with Malcolm Green last week versus Georgia Tech, he had his eyes up, and he came in, and he hit the football with his face mask and the arm of the receiver, and the ball popped out. But his crown of his helmet hit the face mask of the receiver, and he got ejected for targeting. So, you know, with that type of collision – with it being helmet to helmet, with it being, you know, a safety thing, like, are they saying because Paris dropped this? Because there's plenty of times we've even seen the runner drop down and that causes the crown of the helmet to hit the offensive guy. So, you know, it it, it gave me cause a pause of like, hey, they, didn't, they didn't even give an explanation or anything when it came in that play. Um, <clears throat> As far as the Wahoos as a team, like first half – uh, trying to figure out them defensively, you know, just allowing Anthony Calandra get in the groove, hit some passes early, show some mobility. I thought up front they confused a little bit because their best pass rusher, Gelati, was, was you know, being unblocked on things we were trying to do. Um, kudos to them because they ran some stunts and some games that kind of confused our offensive line as far as, like, who to pass it off to, should they stay attached and things of that nature. Um, so in the first half, the Wahoos defensively played well. They played well. They had this, the, the, oh my God, they called a a defensive hold on Jameer Carter when he's getting double team on a fourth and short. They ran outside zone. Jameer's in one, a one technique in the a gap trying to pursue down the line. And they called a holding call on him because 
I guess they felt like he was holding the line and so he wouldn't get up to the linebacker. Dude, he he getting double teamed. Then they called another one on him in the third, yeah, the third quarter when he is he both times he's trying to disengage, but the second time they called him, he actually threw the lineman down. Like, get off me. And they call that holding. It won't no screenplay. Usually they call defense a holding on linemen when it's a slip screen and the lineman uh, grabs the running back and doesn't allow him to get into the flat or slip out. So, like, let's that's, that's rewind. Let's rewind all the way back. The first play of the game, they um called a flag on us for unnecessary roughness. <laughs> On our center for slapping the back of the head of one of their divas alignment, which was bogus. Bogus, bogus, bogus. So they called Stevens with a slap to the back of the shoulder pad, which is what you do when you're running a a bubble screen, tunnel screen, some type of quick throw to the outside lineman quick set and then slap the line uh, defense line upfield so they could get to the second level in the midst of him making contact with the defense lineman the defense lineman has his hand in steven's face if anything it should have been offset and penalties so the very first play of the game we backed up which is crazy because we got a very good game on that call that's when i knew something was wrong I've never seen unnecessary roughness with a slap to the back. Even, even if you hit the back of the head, I've never seen that call. I haven't. And it probably has taken place. You might have seen it in your experience. But I like that's how I knew, like, something wrong. Because that play doesn't, like, most of the time I look at flags, like, you, you throw a flag when it's going to make a, make a difference in the play. Like, when you call a holding call, were they going to get to the quarterback? Were they going to, you know, cause the quarterback to react in a certain way? Like, like the only time a flag is going to be a flag is I thought was hands to the face. But even in that situation, they didn't see the defensive lineman hand in Stevenson's face. But that's just me, man. You got that called. And the Malik Washington one, don't, don't get me wrong. He stiffed on the kid in the face. But. Stiff on middle around so long, you rarely see an offensive, pass, an offensive face mask. You rarely see offensive face masks now. That's what got me like, damn. And y'all really trying to make sure? Because um, looking at the Florida State-Miami game, oh, they got the memo. Oh, I could say it because I ain't on the coaching staff. Oh, the, oh, y'all was Tony from Blue Chips out there, refs. Yeah. Everywhere. Every, every, every. It's a shame. I don't know if every, but I know the UNC Duke game. How you not see that lineman upfield? The Florida State Miami game. How is that not a safety? <laughs> Yo, unless all you need is a little point of the football to not be in the end zone, which they probably could have. You know, it wasn't strong enough evidence. But my goodness. But back to our game. Um, here's one thing I know we got to do though. And I don't know if it's Daniel's son or if it's the protection. But we got to clean up our punt team. That's two games where a punt block for a touchdown ends up being the difference of the game. Point blank period. The score total. It just is what it is. JMU, without that, who knows, right? Because that's a touchdown you take off the board. Versus Louisville, 
Who knows, right? Because a touchdown taken off the board. Like, I'm not a punter. I'm not a specialist. I don't know if his approach is too long. But it seems like he be taking his sweet, you know what time to to punt the ball. And even in that situation, he wasn't even deep in the, He moved up and still took his time. Like, if you move up, shouldn't it be just one quick step and get it out? Like, get it off. Like, he wasn't even fully all the way back. He came up some, so he closed the block point. Like, he made it tougher for his well, he didn't have to because it wasn't like we were on a two-yard line. You had enough room to go back even more. Or um, that's why I'm kind of a fan of like the rugby style, getting the punter out the out the pocket. Some, but again, I don't know if it's your approach, if it's your hold up, if it's a little bit of both. But we gotta fix that. The special teams has been like cringeworthy. They have. Like it's like. You got to hold your breath. You got to hold your breath when we, not only when we punt the ball, then when we cover the punt. We got to make sure the dudes is down there, whether the gunners getting 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 out free, if guys can get down fast enough and make a tackle, then punt return, can we make good decisions and field in the punt, which Ethan Davis, you, you've gotten really good. Bro. Like, that's not an easy job. I'll return punts. But a lot of times, man, when you put your heels on a 10-yard line, lo and behold, go field it. Don't let it bounce and get your offense pinned back. But, even with punt return, it's like, I just know we're going to get the ball. Are, are we good enough to even provide an opportunity for our punt returns to make something with it? Kick return, I know we always going to either fair catch it or let it drop because we don't got a Joe Reed back there. Malik back there, I would like to see us give Malik more of a shot, but then we have so much out of him doing offense. It's like, just just let it drop. Just take it at the, at the 25 just take it right there. 25, 30, wherever we go at now. I don't forget. Field goal unit. I think we'll, I think Beckers did a very good job this year. Very good job. He's, he was 50% these last two games, but very good job. Shooting to that miss versus um Georgia Tech. Yeah, connected on 12 straight, I believe. So, will not the issue. It may not look pretty and boom like the other kickers, but it get there. Facts. It get there. So salute to Will, man. Um, so offensively going into halftime, because they had that one big run play on the fourth down, and when they called Jameer, said Jameer was holding. They got outflanked us to the outside. I felt like uh who was the point guy? <sighs> Let me see. Let me see if I can put it up. Who was the point guy on that play? Oh, let me exit out. Let me go to the defense. I can tell you right now. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I ain't trying to point you out on purpose, my guy, but we got to see. Uh, one and a fourth down? thought it was, oh, it was a third and short. It might have been third and short. I thought I had to play ready to go. Let's see if I can see for you guys. Yeah, this is the play. It was Caleb. Yeah, 
so hard. I feel like, I feel like it was supposed to have been harder to stay outside right here because Cal comes down. Cal's in the box already. The tight end comes across the formation. So 2-6 coming up, checking the tight end man-to-man. He engages with Chico. You got to immediately go up the field right now. You got to go up the field right now. Like he's engaged. I know you're trying to make sure it's not play action, but he's engaged with Chico. Get out there. Because Cal, Tavon is coming to scrape, so he's bumping you out. He's he's making you the unaccounted for guy because Tavon takes up. So the fullback essentially blocks two for one because Caleb is hesitant. Uh, Hardy is hesitant. Yeah. Damn. You got to get out there, 2-6. Got to get out there, bro. Get out there, get out there. Look, I'm doing like the coaches used to do us when they watch the play. Be like, get out there, get out there, get out there. Because you unaccounted for. You build a wall. Now, I don't know, because Ahern got a little clip coming from the backside, but Ahern might have put, put like this. It wouldn't have been a, a big game like it was. Now, let me look at the, the aerial view. This is even better. Yeah, you got to come. You got to come on the field right now because – Sanker comes unfree through the B gap. And if you show right now, 2 6, oh my God, this, this might be a TFL. You're just a little hesitant, man. Stop guessing. Get to where you're supposed to be at. Don't guess. Trust your eyes. Go. So the, the two big runs they had on us, because this was the first big run. Good job by uh, Corn chasing them down from the backside. Um, the two big runs we had, it was just guys being hesitant. So this is the first one I'm discussing. Then on the touchdown, we just didn't get a communication because that, that tight end was wide open. I saw DB signaling each other pre-snap. I don't know if they was changing the coverage or what, but no. Like if, when somebody, anytime you signal or check a coverage or check a defense, if you're checking, you have to make sure somebody else responds with the sign to let you know that it's confirmed. If they don't respond back with the sign, you, you can, it's not a check. Because they can't hear you, they didn't see you. Anytime you give a hand signal to check a coverage, check a defense, if nobody else looks at you or the like, the corresponding player, they don't give you that hand signal back, it's off. So you can't be to the sideline like, I made a check. No, you, yeah, you did make the check, but I ain't hear you. Because I'm telling you by not looking back and showing you the sign, it won't confirm. So that's how they got their first touchdown. Then they got the block punt. Um, so we go into the second half. We down fourteen zero. Uh, I worked as a sideline reporter on Thursday, so I had to interview Coach Elliott coming out of the half. I've never seen this man this uh, animated and hyped and focused, and he won't mad. He was just ready to challenge the players. So coming out of halftime, myself and Harry, uh, the sideline reporter for ESPN, we're both waiting for Coach Elliott. And I'm like, you know, I, radio, we get, we get the interview on first and ESPN interview him after. So we both waiting. Harry's waiting to the right of the tunnel. I'm waiting to the left. I see all the specialists come out, the assistants come out, whatever. And usually when the team comes out, Coach Elliott is usually first. Well, he wasn't first this time, so I'm like, oh, man, what coach at? So the, <laughs> the team starts sprinting out, and I just I see Coach Elliott, but I realize, wait a minute, he running. 
Like he was running with the team. He's running, talking about like getting it. Like he about to run a nine route because you know he played receiver at Clemson. So he running. So me being a you know former receiver slash DB, I flip my hips. <laughs> Get up out there. Let me go control this upfield shoulder. I get up beside him. I'm like, Coach, come on. Whoa, we got to get the interview. He's like, oh, my bad. You know what I'm saying? So I showed him I could, hey, flip my hips and still run. You feel me? So while we're doing the interview, I'm like, you know, Coach, find yourself down 14-0 in this hostile environment on a short week. What was your assessment of the first half? What was your message to the team? And he got right into it. Hey, I, I told him. They got to get it together. I got a defense out here competing, and I got a special teams that need to step it up. My offense needs to step it up because the defense, they leaving them out to dry. They got to step it up. Defense playing their bus off. We got to get it together. We got to – We, I challenged them. I don't like this. And I was like, all right, you know, so you talked about how well the defense um, played in the, in the first half. What can you do offensively to get into a rhythm to get some points on the board? He was like, we just got to come in here and fight. We got to do our job. We got to execute. In order for us to do extraordinary things, we got to do the ordinary things. But these guys got to band together, and they got to fight. I want them to fight. And he ran off. And he ran off so fast that Harry was like, have you seen Coach Elliott? I was like, yeah, dog. I just had to chase him down. He right there. Harry was like, God dang it. I said, go get him. He'll talk to you. Like, he right there. So Harry ran over there and get his interview. But I had never seen. And I left some stuff out in the interview, of course. Um, but... um. But uh, my bad, wife was texting me. But so that was the model. Like we got to get our our stuff, our hind pots together. So boom, we come out, we get the football, we moving it, we moving it, and guess what happened? In UVA fashion, like we've been doing, seemed like every game except for JMU, we squander the possession coming out of halftime. We throw an interception. Good ball placement, just very unfortunate. Um. You know, throwing to Malik, he got bracketed. DB made a good play. The undercutting DB, the overtop safety um, was right there. And the ball just, you know, got intercepted by the safety. Uh, But lo and behold, defense made a stop, right? Defense makes a stop. Offense marches the ball down the field. Malik Washington makes a great play uh, on the seam route. Great ball pacing by Calandria. Calandria making some good runs on quarterback draws. And then we get the touch push. Got the touch push all set up. Coming out of out of timeout on on fourth down, you know what I'm saying? We being aggressive, you feel me? Oh, I know some people had. I, I hate to backtrack. I know some people had questions, right? In the second quarter, we went for three, and I see this a lot on social media. And I and look, I respect when fans are truly invested emotionally in games. Fans always say. Our record is, you know, is like our record is two and whatever. Why are we selling for three? We're down 14-0. What do we have to lose? It's too early in the game to be thinking about that. I could see if it was the third quarter. Like the end, like, like if that was like going into the end of the third, like the Boston College situation, I'm with y'all on that. But you can't get upset with Coach Elliott. When he decides to go for three, understanding he has the ball coming out of half, that he can make it a one-possession game if the offense comes out and scores seven or even another three out of halftime. Like, you still have to play the game. 
you also have to factor in, like, if your defense is playing well, you don't chase seven. You really don't. You go ahead and settle for three and play the field positions and see if you could get, you know, like uh, a turnover that, that like we end up getting on the pick six. But I think when y'all always say, what do we have? You have a lot to lose. You have the game to lose. You just can't say, oh, we only got two wins. What's one more win? It's a lot. You compete to win. Like, we're just not out here. You're not like kids is not out there just playing. It's like when people be like, oh, man. What you know with pro teams like why they keep trying to win? They need to tank. A player gonna try to win. You would want your team to try to win. I understand the long game and don't win because you get the draft pick and like, but at the college level, like, hello, I don't care if you 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 ain't eligible for a bowl game. I'm out here to try to win the game. I'm coaching to try to win the game. I'm not just going to say, oh, we're going to go for it. And then you get to the end of the game, and then you're looking like, oh, we would have settled for three. We No, but that's just my thing with his thinking because what happened was a lot of times we always say don't leave a lot of time for the other team. And I'm a firm believer of this is not a video game. You still have a defense, right? So, we hear commentators on TV always say, oh, they left Peyton Manning too much time. Oh, they left Tom Brady too much time. Real life sports don't work like that to where you could just milk the clock and then just score with three. Like, if you got to get a touchdown, you take that touchdown when you could get it because that other phase still got to show up regardless. Y'all remember when, when Aaron Rodgers scored in like 20 seconds versus the Cowboys in that playoff game with that fingertip catch on the sideline? Like, you still have to show up. You just can't say, oh, we're going to hold the ball because we're going to score. Because what happens if you hold the ball so much that you end up, it ends up being a detriment to yourself because you run out of time trying to make sure the opponent don't have time. Then people will say, oh, my God, you need a good score. Why are you waiting? What are you doing? Like, no, especially when you're losing. Like, you just got to look at the momentum. That, like, that's me getting on my soapbox. So I ain't saying y'all wrong. I just try to give y'all a perspective of folks who are connected within the game versus outside looking in. Just like it's easy for me to say, hey, Dez, you should have did this. But then I try to put myself as a former coach because I was a defensive coordinator for two different high schools here in Charlottesville. And in the games, it's like I ain't thinking like the fan of mine. I'm thinking like the coach of mine because I'm trying to think steps ahead. Like, hmm, all right. I ain't trying to think like the UNC defensive coordinator who on fourth and seven went all out blitz. And went man to man on on fourth and seven, and told his corner to sit at the sticks, not thinking that Duke could take a shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, they needed a touchdown to beat you. Why are you blissing? Make like who cares? You got to like he did in the two point conversion, play coverage, make them make a throw. But anyway, so fast forward back to the third quarter. Um. We about to go forward on fourth down. Uh, they call a timeout. We come out with the touch push. And with us coming out in the touch push, they didn't have their personnel on the field to defend it. And I didn't know coming out of uh, the timeout, they still get time to match up. I think that's like, I don't like that. I really don't. That reminds me of playing video games, right? Where... You pick the play and you get to see the formation and you get five seconds to pick your defense according to the formation. I can see a video game. I can see that. But in real life, coming out of timeout, if we, like you in the goal line, you would think you got your goal line team in. Because regardless of receivers and stuff, a lot of people still keep their goal line team in. 
Everybody play nickel these days anyway. They call it 425, but it's just a nickel. If you think 425, think of what a 425 says. Four down linemen, two linebackers, five DBs. What's a nickel package? Four down linemen, two linebackers, five DBs. Bingo, they just play nickel. <laughs> three, three, five. Hmm. Nickel with three down linemen. That's all it is. But anyway, we run touch push. They blow the whistle. They let them sub in. Coach Elliott looks back at Kitchens. Kitchens was like, let's go for it anyway. Um, boom. We give it to my man, Greasy. Nice play. Score a touchdown. After scoring that touchdown, the young phenom who had a sack in the first half. Okay. Cam Robinson had a sack in the first half. You didn't know in the second quarter. The young phenom understanding where the drop is, what the route combination is on a rollout. Doesn't take the bait. He don't take the Pac-Man bait. He drops back, understanding that somebody's in front, somebody's coming behind. Boom. Interception. Not only interception, take it to the house. Boom. And take it to the house. Boom. Take it to the house. Boom. Take it to the house. Take it to the house. Take it to the house. Oh, man. So, that was dope. We get another stop. Um, get the ball back. Driving down the field. Throw the swing pass to P. Jones. P. Jones had the, the life-threatening collision. Um, Malik having the thought of scooping the ball up and scoring. We go up 21 to 14. We, so, for a defense that hadn't given up any points, and um in two and a half games, gave up gave up three points in two and a half games. In the third quarter alone, the Wahoos scored twenty one points. They gained, I think it was one hundred ninety seven yards in that quarter. Let me go. The third quarter for the Hoos. Twenty plays, one hundred and ninety four yards, one hundred twenty eight yards passing, sixty six yards rushing. So. This defense alone came in holding limiting opponents to like 88 yards rushing. The Hoos ran for 66 in one quarter. They came in not giving up a touchdown in two full games and a half. In one quarter, the Hoos scored three touchdowns. They shut out Louisville. Louisville has 54 yards. Louisville was 0 for 2. On third downs, and what was their their chart in the third quarter, their drive chart? Let's see. Because, you know, I like to look at drive charts. In the third quarter, they had they had an eight-play drive, missed field goal. Then they threw the interception, so that's a one-play drive. Then they had a three-and-out. Oh, no, then they had a ten-play drive for 52 yards to end the third quarter. Hold on. Was that in the third? Yeah, that's like that's a third. Yeah, with well, forty-one seconds left. It's oh no no no! It started forty-one seconds, so that got into the fourth quarter. So the three points came in the fourth quarter because I just said they shut them out. So lo and behold, when you look at the third quarter, Louisville, because I I'm a, I'm gonna count some of that drive because with forty-one seconds left in the third, that's really like the fourth quarter. So you could say. 
Half, like the first two plays probably was in the third quarter, but if you look at the third quarter, missed field goal, interception, punt, and just say downs. But then in the fourth quarter, to Louisville's credit, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Because they beat us 17 to 3 in the fourth quarter. So that takes me to what I, you know, my theme, what I want to end this with for these last 10 to 15 minutes. Finishing. Our next step. And being consistent winners because I feel like we can execute on a good enough basis, a good enough consistent basis where we could put points on the board. We still like the basketball team. Like we have lows in the game where we don't score. Uh, defensively, the four man rush is now getting home again because I feel like Chico's healthy. Akiri is, is healthy. He had a sack. Um, Coach Rudd is doing a phenomenal job of just scheming up offenses where he doesn't have to really uh, utilize an extra pass rusher. So he's only rushing four. That means seven guys in coverage. So whether you go four wides, three wides, you have an extra defender in pass pro. So, I mean, pass coverage. So we're really improving on pressuring quarterbacks with four down linemen, whether when twist games, some type of stunts up front. The secondary, as soon as we start to take strides, it seems like we have a significant injury. The new significant injury is Cohen King, who had a dislocated elbow, his left elbow. This was in the fourth quarter. And then Westfall actually got injured. He injured his calf in the second quarter. But thankfully, Dre Walker is available. And then thankfully, Malcolm Green was available in the second half because of the targeting. He wasn't available in the first half. So this takes me to finishing, right? So when it comes to finishing, we look at the scoring plays for Maryland. The first one was a blown coverage. We was in cover two. They came out. Uh, they had two receivers to the field, one receiver to the boundary. They ran what we call, they ran a mirror route with a skinny. So they ran, we call this Boston when Coach uh, Sparky Woods was here is Basically, the so the play that we ran versus Virginia Tech to win the game, that's basically the same play they ran. But I don't think Casey was running the skinny route. I think Casey was just running, like, stick routes. Uh, but they ran a, a a sail route on the outside, which is just a speed corner route. And if it's cover two, you take a three-by-five, and then you go back out to the corner. And then – the slot guy who was on the line of scrimmage, he ran a skinny. He just split the middle of the goalpost. And both safeties played the corner routes. And I don't know if, I don't want to say, yeah. I don't know if, because I'm, I'm still struggling about if Hardy was supposed to come down as far, because I know he was considered the Tampa two linebacker in a sense. Like he supposed to cover the middle. And I don't know if he got caught coming down too far. First of all, I don't know if he got caught coming down too far. Second of all, I don't know if Tavon could have played that skinny more because I felt like Dre had the sail route under control. Because sometimes you get it like, I always tell you guys, be a football player, not a robot. Did they did they do their job? Yes. But if sometimes you are required to be a football player, meaning understanding this is a beater. They ran a beater combination. Two sale routes 
and a skinny is going to beat cover two unless one of them safeties are savvy enough to know that my field corner who has the number two receiver. When I remember I told you guys weeks ago, when you play cover two, the, the short zone player, the corner, you mirror the release of number two, which is the slot receiver or the inside receiver. Mirror it means if they are streaking down the field, you continue to drop. No matter if you have a hitch in front of you, any short route, you drop in relation to the release of the inside receiver. If he's pushing vertical, you drop vertical in your zone to allow the safety to play in between because there's a lot of stress on him. So with that being said, I felt like Dre did that. I don't know it because Tavon's usually he's usually down and he's usually a short guy. Sometimes we ask him to play deep safety. But again, in that situation, for me playing a position and if I'm the corner, I'm looking at Tay like, bro, you can take that. I got this under control. Now, if they run a like a, a sell and go, they just really beat us, but they didn't. I felt like Dre had the sail route to the field under control. I'm not blaming Tavon because I don't know what he's what he's being told to do in that situation. I don't know if it was Caleb because Caleb was so close to the line of scrimmage. Ain't no way. I don't know if his eyes fooled him and he was supposed to um, disguise and then get up out of there. Because I've seen times where we disguise and really sprint to the middle field. So I don't know. But all I know is if your brother is caught lacking, you got to take away the threat. And Jonas looked at it, but Jonas really couldn't hold it because Malcolm was getting high load. So Malcolm, he showed press. He dropped for the sale route, but then they had a swing route coming in between. You had, uh, I think it was Jackson or Ahern in coverage, but they were on the hash. So Malcolm had to stay close enough to the back. He can't see that number three screaming. He can't see that the opposite slot guy screaming at the field Malcolm did his job and Jonas he sees the post but you could kind of see him like ah but Malcolm's kind of beat like this gonna be a deep route like they could he could like basically like the quarterback could throw the receiver up the field so I gotta stay here that's why I'm looking at Tavon like ah man in a perfect world Tay take like run with that post because I feel like the only throw he the quarterback had he had to check down to the running back because I felt like Dre Walker mirrored the release of number two, he took away the sale route. Good job, freshman, first year. Um, now that so that's the touchdown on the deep pass. That was like fifty plus yards. Um, allows them to get what? What did that allow them to get within three? If I'm not believe, if I'm not mistaken, because it was because we got to the red zone. Yeah, because we got to the red zone and settled for three. When Ty Furness got headbutted and they picked the flag up. And, um, yeah. So then when they got the ball back, the 70-yard run. Here's the kicker to this. They run outside zone, like a little belly action when they pull the guard. James Jackson does a good job coming downhill, keeping his outside arm free. Yona Sanker to safety. Overhang safety comes down behind James. And not realizing that James is really taking away the outside bounce. He He's taking away the C. And he follows James to the C. The back cuts back in the B, in the B gap. 
and he is downhill. And a lot of times I see we follow, we always tell you, never follow the same color. If your brother takes your, your gap, play off of him. And I feel like Jonas could have dropped inside. And I don't know if Hardy could see or what, but I felt like his effort wasn't fast. Like he was unaccounted for it too. If he comes screaming over there, you could at least confront him. But nobody was catching. But who was a man to man? Was in uh, man free. Hardy was the free safety. Jonas had somebody in the box, so it allowed him to come down. And um, yeah, that that play right there, they hit that call because the two free guys we had just weren't quick enough to the punch. James Jackson did his job. He spilled over top. Uh, Ahern got he got pulled a little bit. He did get held, but it was quick. But uh, the two free defenders we had just didn't make the play. They didn't make the play, unfortunately. And, you know, we know how the last drive in. But I do want to say this about Coach Kitchens on offense because I, I praise uh, Coach Rudd. I like how he was moving Malachi Fields around. He incorporated motion with Malachi Fields. Malachi Fields is a big body. Malachi Fields is basically like an NFL H-back. Like he could gain – uh, like salute to the, the late Tyrone Davis. He could he could gain some weight and be an H back in the NFL if he's not a receiver. He's two hundred twenty pounds, but getting him in motion, running those counter H H uh, H flats with, with uh, Malachi, getting him the ball in the space, allowing him to turn up field because this kid was a, a track star hit at Monticello. He did everything. He was he was what is a uh, the catholic He was like shot put, long jump, high jump. He ran the four hundred, the two hundred, the one hundred, like. He ran everything. He could run. Um, I like how we uh, was attacking downfield. We ran an out and up with Malik that, that hit for a big game. We threw a stuttering goal to Malachi versus cover two for a big game. He dropped it in the bucket. We ran a goal route with Malik in the slot. He dropped it in the bucket. Um, Calandra played phenomenal. Played phenomenal. It just speaks to how he prepares, how the coaches prepared him how Kitchens calls the game for him, playing complimentary football, of, of, of you know, incorporating runs, some inside stretch zones, some RPOs, some options, just getting allowing his feet to get him going. The young kid is a, a phenomenal, a phenomenal electric dude, man. Like, we're blessed to have him as a first year. Um, but we got a lot of first years as, that's on the, on the field playing as well. We got a lot of youth. We're turning the corner. Now we have, we have to learn how to finish. I didn't get – so I had us losing 31-17. We lost 31-24. I didn't expect us to ever have a lead versus Louisville. This team served me shut the hell up, Juice. Um, the short turnaround from Georgia Tech where we got beat, taken to the woodshed from the second quarter on to turn it back around, having injuries, going up against a, a, a offense that's rolling and a defense that's rolling like Louisville and, and taking them to deep waters for them to get some assistance for the lifeguard so they wouldn't drown. All we needed was Corey Alexander, and we probably would have won. Shout out to Corey. Um, but, yeah, now we got to finish. And finish is a mentality not only for players but for coaches. Continue to be aggressive. I just need to know. And I struggle with this with not just – the Wahoos, but just football in general. How can we channel that that two-minute, one-minute offense sense of urgency into our DNA for four quarters? 
like the the play caller, the, the aggressiveness sense of urgency from our play callers, the attacking sense of urgency from our players. Like that's what the greats do. They have that seem like they have that sense of urgency for four quarters, or even if they don't, it's times in the game that's not the fourth quarter where you see that sense of urgency was like, yo, we gotta go. Which we start the show. We really do. When our backs start to really get to the wall outside the Georgia Tech game, you know, but in recent, in this month, like the last four games, North Carolina, Miami, and now this Louisville game, we show a sense of urgency when it wasn't the full quarter. Now, I do still want to improve on our red zone scoring as far as touchdowns. We was one of three. We got to the red zone three times, scored one touchdown. I want to improve in that area. I really do. I really, 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 really want to improve in that area because that's that's separating us from really getting over the hump. So, But we're taking steps, right? The results aren't there, but you can see the improvement. The worst thing I would want for this program is for us to give Tony Elliott his uh, Jimbo Fisher papers because he ain't getting $70 million to walk away like Jimbo Fisher or he ain't getting money like uh, what's the old coach for the Raiders. Like, they giving you $70 million to go away, $40 million to go away. And no, I wouldn't want Jimbo Fisher here. You got all those resources, your last two stuff. Like, you got all those resources with, with Texas A&M. Can you imagine taking steps back in resources and NIL and trying to, man, please. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like they're on the cusp right now, right? And I think the worst thing, the most disingenuous thing you can do is seeing somebody Continue to ascend and be right there, be right there, be right there. Then you make a switch because the next coach is going to benefit for you being right there. And then the next coach is going to like, oh, man, look, got us over the hump. But as they always say, is that your players? Because that's what they were saying about Coach Rudd, right? They was like Coach Rudd was successful because of Broncos players. Well, he turned that back around. As soon as people questioned him that he was only successful because of Broncos players, and I know they're talking about like corners and things like that, this game – let me look at total yards. Just, just to put in perspective what he held. I mean, we outgained Louisville. Louisville had 423 yards, right? 243 yards passing and then 180 rushing. So they basically had 110 before that. They had like one less than 110, like 107 before the 73-yard rush. Or more than that because they took a knee. So, But you get what I'm saying. Get what I'm saying. So that's all I got to say, man, man. You know my motto, good is the enemy of great. Be great in everything that you do. Never let nobody tell you you can't do what you set your mind out to do. Malik Washington has been absolutely phenomenal. Another 100-yard receiving game. Um, I think he's like five or six yards from Dontavian Wicks' record. He has 88 catches. Uh, Lamade's record is like 93 catches. So he could be one of the most decorated receivers in UVA history. He doesn't have the. He has seven touchdowns. I think Sean uh, Herman Moore got double digits. Him or Billy McMullen got double digit touchdowns. But he, he he can he can bro. In one year, he could be one of the top five most decorated receivers because he should be first team All ACC. He should be an All American. Easy. We got two games left, right? If he continues this trajectory of getting you about 80 yards or more when defenses know that he, he, you know, you're trying to defend him. Hey man, 
he should be first team, all ACC. He's the all-purpose leader. Um, he should at least be second team. He ain't gonna be first team All-American just because they, you know you got Maserati Harrison. Um, what's the other kid name? You got the uh, Washington receivers that get a lot of hype. The Florida State receiver get a lot of hype. I know he don't have the yards, but he got the touchdowns. Malik got him in yards by a lot. But, uh, you know, it's just all about how you market. And I hope, you know, hopefully UVA markets him to where he lands on those prestigious teams, man. But, but salute to him. And also, Jonas Sanker is leading all DBs in the ACC in tackles. I think he's third overall. He has 90 tackles. So salute to Jonas, man. But that's all I got for y'all, man. Salute to uh, Corey Alexander, man. It's just jokes. Don't take it personal. The Wahoos won. But do your job. (laughs) I'm out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.